Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of the Shuttle Pod podcast. I am your host, Kayla Yacovino, and today I am joined by my friends Matt Wright. Hey guys. And Jared Whitley. Hello friends. And today we had to race to our microphones to talk about a bombshell of a news item that was on the front page of our website today. Um, and it's all over the Star Trek world today. Uh, it's perhaps arguably the biggest news that's happened in the Star Trek world in the last decade. Mm -hmm. Uh, we, we learned today that Alex Kurtzman, who is currently overseeing Star Trek Discovery, um, and has been since its inception, uh, has inked a five-year deal with CBS, and part of that deal is to create basically a Star Trek extended universe. Um, mm -hmm. there, are, there are rumblings about all different kinds of series that may or may not be in development. Um, it's big news that CBS wants to do more with Star Trek. Um, they're they're going big on Star Trek, and this is going to be the franchise that that CBS has chosen to sort of bring them into the era of, you know picking your your taking the ip that you own and and milking it as much as humanly possible and, and as, as, bl as blue milking it yes, blue milking it let's hope it doesn't get quite that bad but let's yes. hope yes. i i just i'm i was shocked by the magnitude of this announcement i'm not shocked that they want to do more especially with all access because we right. know that discovery is 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 in big part you know to hedge that uh, yes. platform for them but this is I, I don't, I'm still, to be honest, I'm still digesting all this news and trying to understand what it means because I never mm -hmm. thought Trek would be like what Star Wars is to Disney or Marvel, you know, these kind of things. So I don't know. I think it could be amazing. It could be terrible. It's, but it's definitely exciting. Yeah. Yeah. It is. For sure. It is. I, I am, you say, you use the word digesting. I'm still a little bit in disbelief. I'm not sure if I believe all of this news. But if even if even some of it is true, like you say, then this is still the biggest news in 10 years. That's right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Let, I think we all saw that maybe CBS would want to keep all access people subscribed. So they, they had to be thinking about at least one more Trek show. Right. They just had to be. But yeah, uh, based on what we've heard, <clears throat> according to Variety and The Hollywood Reporter, there's, you know, a good five possibilities being pitched at the moment. So that's huge because that's not just like one or two to maybe tide people over between seasons of Discovery. That's like a whole universe of things, right? It's kind of yeah. a big deal. And, and of course, it's not clear, you know, if any of these will be made, which of them will be made. It almost sounds like um, I'm going to sort right. of... I'm going to sort of steal a, a metaphor that, that Jared used earlier today when we were chatting about this. Um, it, it comes across almost to me as if, you know, someone took a picture of the whiteboard right at the end of the brainstorm meeting. And, oh, yeah. Yeah. And this is just sort of a list of everything that came into anyone's mind of like, what kind of shows can we produce since we own this? We own the property Star Trek. What can we right. do with it? You know, go. Yeah, it's yeah, it's definitely somebody's got pitches from people up on a board for sure. And that's why, by the way, of course, nothing's official. This is stuff that has been quietly sort of leaked to Variety. Like, CBS is not going to tell us these things, of course. So, yeah. Certainly not this early. 
No, so take this with a big sort of asterisk that this is just what we've heard. One or all of these or none of these potentially could be picked up just to be, you know, just to disclaim it. I also think there the possibility has to exist that, you know, they are taking a whiteboard approach where they float a lot of stuff on the internet and see what people, what gets people excited, right? Right, for sure. Mm-hmm. That's also a possibility. This could be testing the waters, I guess is the phrase. Right, so like the top, the top two, you know, most buzzworthy greenlit or whatever yeah so i definitely want to dive into um talk a bit about the rumored pitches for the new franchise this is Um, the most exciting juiciest part this is the juiciest part for sure i I also think what we can do one of my goals i think for this podcast is to um not only help you know our listeners but help myself wade through all this and understand what's official what's rumor you know drawing those lines so so maybe we should read the official pr part because it does mention a few things like animation officially and that's nice to hear Versus yeah why don't, the other rumored part so why don't you go ahead and read i'm going to read that yeah tell us exactly what cbs so, has said this is the official so cbs line. this is the official verbiage which is kind of vague but here you go it says as part of his new production deal kurtzman will supervise the expansion of cbs's star trek franchise for television developing new series, mini-series, and other content opportunities, including animation. That's the official line. That's all they'll actually say at the moment. Mm-hmm. But that there's actually a lot in there. There is. I mean, it basically says they're open to short-form, long-form, and perhaps I think one of the more exciting things, I think, is that there's cartoons in the mix. Yeah. I agree. I agree. I think, uh, I think there's a lot to be said for that. I also appreciate... That they're open to not just uh, different series, but like different mini series, and I I know right. I think Which they've I been think talking really that. Uh, yeah, I mean like like okay, Captain Sulu. I would have loved to. See, I think they could have done a great six part Captain Sulu series, right? I'm not sure if there was. Seven oh yeah. Years there, yeah. Right? Oh yeah. Uh, like yeah, and, in the nineties that would have been a great mini series. Sure. Yeah, uh, and yeah. and you know I think there's been well, there was talk about doing Discovery more as an anthology series. Uh, rather right. early rather on, they were hoping to show. do that. But right. but I yeah. think one of the problems is uh, is exactly is the cost attached to it. But a miniseries is a little bit different than an anthology series, right? Because then you you know if you do six episodes, yes. uh, in in with Captain Sulu, then you get six times the amount the value out of your bridge you build of the Excelsior, for example. Mm-hmm. And in theory, you get to then have that set and redress it ten times over for some other show that you're also making. Right. You know oh, what I mean? Sure. Like you get, you get value out of it. Eventually, you get to get value out of it long term. So why don't we? I I think it'd be good if we go in and we talk about each of these rumored pitches because I think each of them kind of fills a different niche. And again, there's always this caveat of, you know, any of these could be made or not made. Maybe none of these will be made. You know, right. clearly some something is going to be made, and this is all that we've heard of so far. Right. So, the first one is something that's been an idea that's been batted around for literally for decades. Um, is, the, oh, yeah. is is a Star Trek Starfleet Academy series, Saturday mm-hmm. Academy. Um, and what I think is interesting that's attached to this rumor is that there are actually creatives attached to it at this point, at least mentioned. Yes. You know, yeah. whether or not that's official, but um, there's Variety and, and the Hollywood Reporter report, uh, Starfleet Academy series from creators uh, Stephanie Savage and Josh Schwartz, uh, co-creator of Chuck. Um, and that team most recently developed um, shows for shows for the CW. So there was a reboot of 
Dynasty and another one of CW's hit shows, Gossip Girl. Um, and they also uh, worked on Hulu and Marvel's Runaways. Right. And there's so there's some hint that this this Starfleet Academy series could could be on the CW. Right. You know, it sure sounds at, like it. Yeah. Or at very least, you know, geared to that audience and and you know, that the see that means, you know, 30 somethings, 30 something models playing 18-year-olds. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> and, so and a lot of drama fine. and angst. Yeah. And, and you know, if this, you know, and I've heard about this idea since the early 90s, and I've always thought that the, uh, you know, the first duty episode from season five with uh, mm-hmm. Wesley and uh, a pre-Tom Paris, Robert Duncan McNeil doing the Colvert Starburst, I've always thought that that was like a backdoor pilot where they're trying to test it out. And, and yeah, I, I, totally. I've, I've always been skeptical of this idea, but if anybody can do it, I think that CW is the people who can do it. Yeah, you might be I mean, right. They, they certainly know they're sort of like teen audience shows. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, they do. Um, so we have to say that also to, to go back to filling niches, this is not going to be your father's Star Trek. Like this is not right. for, I think this is this is them again, like we we're talking about trying to hit all kinds of demographics and do all kinds of things to get all kinds of audiences into the Trek franchise. So this does not sound like something that maybe is super appealing to people, say, in the forties, like, like us, yeah, yeah, Which... like, like, sure. But you know what? I, I'm not gonna poo-poo it. I'm gonna say, okay, cool. Maybe this gets a whole new, fresh blood into the franchise. Yeah, right. Just like the J.J. Abrams movies did back uh, over a decade ago. Now mm-hmm. they brought in a whole new, fresh group of people who then explored the rest of the franchise and saw what else there was out there, and you know, and became like big Star Trek fans out of it. So hey, you know what? I'm going to be open to this. You know, let's let's keep an open mind. Yeah, just because it's not for us or for, you know, you, you know, you and I, uh, it doesn't mean it's not for some people out in our uh, Trek movie listening verse. Yeah, and honestly, this could become kind of like a guilty pleasure for some people too. You know what I mean? You're like, oh, no, this isn't quite for me, but it, there's also a lot of fun drama and, yeah. whatever, and an adventure that, I mean, for example, a huge CW show that's got all kinds of ages going forward is um, Riverdale, right? Yeah, it's a in huge theory, In theory, that's an angsty teen drama with a murder mystery and some other stuff mixed together. But, dude, that's got parents and kids going, coming together in the same room and watching it, right? Mm-hmm. So I have a feeling that maybe they're thinking about that. You know, can we do that again, but with the Trek property? Yeah, so, well, I mean, look at what Marvel is doing with their properties. They are... You know, right. they're creating this this universe, a cinematic universe, right? But they're all it's also sort of splintered in terms of they're using certain properties to target every demographic. So mm-hmm. each one has a job. I mean, they have stuff that's like obviously very adult and dark and, you know, gory, that kind of stuff. And then they have stuff for kids and they have yeah. You know, yeah. so they have everything on all these different platforms. And that's not, that's not, you know, that's a good business strategy. Whether or not yeah. it's a good creative strategy is a whole other issue. But if right. you're CBS, you know, if you're an executive at CBS, you know, you care, right, how much the show costs to produce, whether it, you know, came in under budget and on time, and how many people watched it. Mm-hmm. And so, from that pers- and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, you know, but they but, but an executive right doesn't care whether the latest episode of of Star Trek Discovery violates canon, right? He just no, cares no. how many people are watching the show yeah, and if they're getting they money. They care about the it. money. 
Right. Yeah. So and the two can go hand in hand. You know, the more that we ha- those executives are happy with the franchise, the more creative new stuff we get. So yeah. there's just that like this is more Trek content and that's a positive thing. Indeed. That part is certainly positive. So we I, I digressed a bit. Um I got off of our, our topic here about the CW show, but um unless there's anything else to say about that, do you want to keep moving that's all down we the line? Know. It's just a yeah. little one sentence description, so that's all yeah, we know really. so far. Yeah. So the next one is there we really don't have anything to talk about because literally the description is a limited series whose plot details are being kept under wraps. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) I am on the edge of my seat. So do with that what you will. We'll come back to that because that might actually be related to our final bullet point. These could be the one and the same. So we'll come back. Maybe that's a later bullet point that came out after the fact. But anyway, Mm. keep keep going. We'll, We'll circle back. Okay, our next one is something that people, you know, people with their with their ear to the ground may have heard mm-hmm. rumblings about way back when. This is uh, a limited series based around the Wrath of Khan, and mm-hmm. we we've been on Trek Movie talking about this idea that there's some Wrath of Khan project in the works. You know, maybe for a while now, because um, Nick uh-huh. Meyer had been dropping hints. I guess this was was this before this was before season one aired, wasn't it? Right, it was during the production, and we interviewed. We actually sort of got the seed going, and other, uh, and it's kind of got run with. But we actually did an interview with Nick Meyer, and you know, Meyer's a very like talkative guy, who kind of can, sometimes can't help himself, and totally said something about, "Well, I've got another project, and that's all I can tell you." And you know, and that just went. Everyone just went, "What? What? What's that? What do you mean?" You know, and. Tony, very you know, our site founder Tony interviewed him very nicely. Kind of asked a, ask a question that doesn't really ask the question kind of thing, and was like, "Can we assume it's not a film property?" And Meyer was like, "You can assume that." So, what does that mean? It's a TV property. So there you go. It drove the fan, you know, drove everyone nuts, right? Because it's like, oh my gosh, what could that be? It's not Discovery, but it's a TV property. Well, there you go. It's probably this. That is is Mm -hmm. some sharp entertainment reporting right there on behalf of uh, by our founder. I know it's fantastic. He (laughs) he knows what to do. He's very good at that. We we really appreciate him for that. So (laughs) he he kind of tipped off the world that huh? There's something else brewing. You know, potentially, potentially, there's something brewing. And um, and then we know that a few months ago, or just last month, I guess it was, Meyer again just couldn't help himself talking about it just a little bit. And saying that he had this project that was related to Khan, but perhaps things were on hold uh, because of all the CBS Paramount brouhaha. But I believe that's him speculating more than anything, like mm-hmm. as to why it was on hold. And by but, that you mean the CBS and Paramount trying to merge back into trying one? Trying to merge. Because, of course, really, if they merged, any questions of who gets what or like can you borrow this character from a movie etc cetera, etc cetera, is solved because then it's all mm-hmm. under one roof again so you can see why maybe they were you know pausing for a minute to see if they were going to merge but now that they're not they just move forward and if they need to borrow aspects of a of a movie from paramount i assume they just go to something to the negotiating table and say cool how do we work out a deal that we're going to use some events that aren't from TOS, but are safe from Wrath of Khan, right? Mm-hmm. So, because of course they, they can use anything they want from TOS because they own that, but they can't necessarily use anything that's unique to Wrath of Khan because 
and, you know anything that was created for the movie that that wasn't already there in tos theoretically they have to come to paramount and say is it cool if we use this and you know do we pay you a fee or whatever so see, see and i have to imagine that all that kind of negotiation will be handled before anything gets into it creatively because they can't be doing that kind of thing a la carte, right? They need some I, kind of... I think of, so, too. Some kind but, of agreement ahead of time. And the thing that I, I feel... Where, oh, sorry. No, I agree. I was just going to say, I have a feeling that this may have been a side project for Meyer to sort of draft something on the side before they ever really got to leak out. So, you know what I mean? They gave him a little something else to do along the side. And then it kind of went somewhere, right? Like it developed into something like, okay, now we better go... <laughs> make clear it we better go clear this with everyone that's my hunch i don't know we don't we don't know really anything it's just a guess you know but yeah it's interesting because if if the cw show i think that the cw thing i admit is like the part where i go eh? Cause, <laughs> cause this, 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 if they make a cw show about starfleet academy it will be the first time in the history of this 50 plus year franchise where there has been a star trek Thing on film that has not been made for me <laughs> so it's, oh, it's yeah, selfish true. but it's true. weird and you know and, and I, I'm you know I'm the first to admit I'm not every, I already know every aspect of the franchise isn't for me you know I don't read all of the books and all of the comics some of them and, 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 you and know, you're not into the animated series right I mean that was made for kids in the early 70s that wasn't that wasn't made for you the, it, the filmation is right, hard right. for me to yeah I would watch I would watch a new animated series and I would watch a new CW series and you know I've been fans of CW series because there's a lot of them today there's a lot of things about the modern CW stuff that I you know that I could live without well yeah frankly, but... For, for, but for example the CW is also home to the Arrowverse which is the DC mm-hmm. kind of universe that the they've DC got going universe, yeah. and that's yeah. widely regarded as, as good you know as, yeah. as a good thing so Arrow and Flash know. they're two of their big properties yeah. and, and, and like, and if, like if I was a huge for that, fan I don't think there'd be Supergirl and you like Supergirl right Kira? right and Supergirl well, yeah uh, exactly that's a complicated topic but um sure I'm, uh, I'm, but I, I mean, will say I will say I'm rooting for the show I really want uh, it to be good and yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. that's another yeah. podcast for another day but the point being the point being an offshoot of the Arrowverse was so big that they gave it a chance on cbs they did and, yeah and, th- and then of course it got kind of kicked back to the cw after a season but the point is that's how that's how good they were feeling about it a few mm-hmm. years ago it, and like um i was a big fan of smallville which was a cw show in the, sure. in the superman early universe. cw stuff yeah exactly. and so like there are yeah so there are these cw shows that have a lot of fans you mentioned riverdale um and mm-hmm. so these are the thing the point i was making that i totally lost my track there but was that if this cw show is this thing that's made for not me the wrath of khan series if that happens that's made for us right right that's, exactly yeah that's, that's, that's for the so fans. obviously and, for us the hardcore fans and, and it's I, nick freaking meyer so i, I, yeah, I have to exactly. figure that's uh that'll be like a eugenics war type of thing right so yeah like we have We've kind of talked about that. It's it's hard to say exactly what they're going to do because the other thing we've heard that's a rumor is that it's basically like a survival story in a way of like life on SETI Alpha 5. Oh, so it's like, okay. That's not so as interesting it's like to post, me. No, I don't think it's as interesting either, but it's post-TOS basically and then pre-Wrath of Khan, of course, obviously. And so it's this, it's this middle period. Um, the eugenics wars gets dicey. We sort of had a whole conversation about it earlier today with a bunch of... Uh, of us uh, staff about how the eugenics wars is somewhat dicey because of course that was supposed to have happened in the 90s yeah and how the heck do you address that for a, like a modern alt- alternate universe alternate universe or right, right. or it's a clandestine sort of... 
you know, government thing. And there wasn't actually well, a war, but it came, became later known as that, like that was actually happening. Well, the problem is, is it's made very clear that Khan overthrows like a third of the world's government. Yeah. You know oh, what yeah. I mean? Well, maybe. So we can't really um, hide it. <laughs> maybe. The, anyway, the, they have is, to do some Khan fancy is Facebook. Yeah, I promise. Exactly. I think that's Skynet in a different franchise, but whatever, you know. <laughs> um, no, so they'd have to do some fancy footwork with that, which may actually enrage hardcore fans even more to sort of yeah, work around it. I don't know. But it's we'll, Nick see. Meyer. we'll see. I know. Exactly. So we we sort of trust Nick Meyer. We trust right? him. Maybe yeah. He'll, he'll deliver. Yeah. So oh. we'll see. Okay. Okay. If if this happens, who is your dream cast as Khan? Oh, that's so hard. Today, I'm not really sure who mm. that would be. I bet you our lovely listeners can give us some ideas. Okay, can I can I tell you who I would love to see do it? <laughs> yeah, please. Siddig El Fidel, right? Because oh, he he's okay. in terms of ethnicity, he's okay. closer than he's, than uh, he's Ricardo Montalban yeah. was. A lot yeah. closer than Benedict Cumberbatch was. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. He's. I mean, he. This guy is ageless, right? I mean, he was born in 1965, and he still looks great. He and yeah. and uh, it would tie in a nice little allusion to uh, Julian having been genetically enhanced. I I would yeah. love to see uh, him return to the franchise in that capacity. Even if he doesn't play Khan, he could play someone else. But I I would love to. I think he. Wow, I would be delighted cool. to see him as part of it. I, I like that you. Like I like that you call him you know. by his uh, actual name. No, his actual. If I was calling him by his actual name, I'd still be giving it. It's he's got like uh, you know twenty six different a, names here. The full name, right? Oh, <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, but I think Kayla's of course alluding to the fact that halfway through Deep Space Nine, he decided he was going to go with Alda, Alexander Sitting for whatever yeah. reason. I don't yeah. know why he did that. Honestly, there was nothing wrong with his normal name, but whatever. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and, that'd anyway, be kind of that, cool. That, that, that's be my little sort plug of weird. It would be weird, though. Like, like you're like, wait, what is old Bashir doing? Here? Right. <laughs> it's a cool. It's, it is a cool idea, though. It actually. Yeah, that would be awesome. Less, less weird than him showing up on Game of Thrones and doing nothing, though. Oh, I, I mean, I wanted it to be great, but he just sat there, and then they're like, oh, there are too many characters. Get rid of him in the season opening. Yeah. yeah. I loved. It. I loved seeing him, though. He looked great. Yes, he looked fantastic. He looked fantastic. How about um? How about Escon, the guy who played Fez from that '70s show? Uh, okay. Unless we want this to be a joke, <laughs> it's my pick. Um, you know, at this point, there there's some great uh, Bollywood actors they could try to tap for it. I, I don't know if mm-hmm. they'd be able to have the uh, the majesty because so much of of Bollywood, and I'm going to paint with a very broad brush here, is kind of melodramatic. Uh, yeah. But you know, maybe that would be what they need. Who knows? I mean, there's in a way a, a con that chooses the scenery is probably good. Probably you know, that could probably that could work. Yeah, so we'll see. I, yeah. I I also I just need to put in a little a little comment here, like a historical context, like when um, when Khan happens in Space Seed and they use the phrase eugenics. This is kind mm-hmm. of in the the aftermath of World War Two and and mm-hmm. the idea of eugenics eugenics being kind of like a planned breeding type of thing that right. that the Nazis had been involved in. It wasn't really about like superhuman genetic manipulation so like to have the benedict cumberbatch be spider-man compared to <laughs> con and space seed who kirk beats basically just by hitting him with a pipe a few times that that's the con i would rather see i don't want to yeah, see spider con right yeah, we don't need someone who's elevated to like a superhero status right? Right. yeah 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 be- because because 
you know, if they have that level of technology to make people that great, I think they would just do it, right? Yeah. But the whole idea it, with right, because how do you resist that? And it yeah. being like a like a, a, a forced breeding or whatever, I that's like horribly unethical. So right. uh, anyway, I hope they do, I hope they do it that way. I, I would think so. I mean, let's hope so with Meyer, who, of course, knows Khan quite well from right sure. before. Sure, I would, would think hope so. that he understands that part, yes. Fingers crossed. Okay, so Khan is Khan series. That's a possibility in the works. The next bullet point of possibly rumored pitches is an animated series. And I think this is this one is really interesting. All we know is, is the, cool. the bullet point is an animated series whose plot, plot details are being kept under wraps. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the animated series thing, I think, is a fantastic idea. Yeah, this yeah. this is the one idea to look at it and say this is the thing that has to happen. It's oh, the best yeah, this is, a this is a no-brainer. And the other part that I, that I think is good is that the official PR uh, even, rec- even says animation. So that's good mm-hmm. to know that they're officially investigating it and then even sort of the rumor mill says yes there's something going on with with you know a pitch somewhere for it so that's that's kind of good like that's good it corroborates it all and i think that's like we said this is this is the best this is really great news it's something that i think trek has sorely been missing it's gotten itself <laughs> it's gotten its arse handed to it by the star wars stuff mm-hmm. um, yeah c- case in point i have like uh younger kind of step siblings or well step sibling in-laws actually if you want to get really technically <laughs> and um i you know star trek 09 came out and i took my you know younger brother-in-law to it and he kind of liked it but was instantly back into the clone Wars stuff the second we got out of the theater he went right back on went back home and turned on clone wars really so no conversion to star trek there you know, and that's one of those things like, yeah, if you want, if you want young fans, if you want, you know, we talk about how our fanship is really skewing older these days, which it is like, this is how you get a whole new generation in. That's how you get yeah. their foot in the door. It, it, it's also, it's also a way to, uh, and I, I think, I don't know if I've mentioned this to you guys before. I don't know if I said it on the podcast, the greatest advantage of animation is it gives you access to talent who couldn't really appear on screen. Right. Like mm-hmm. if if we want this to be about, um, you know, a, a young Beverly and Jack Crusher, we can easily get Gates McFadden to do her voice in a way we yeah. can never get her to do an on-screen That's presence. That's such a good right. point. Right, exactly. Yeah, so you got to think that yeah. thinking about that. Yeah. Vo- voices so don't age as much. Hey, you know three people who have great voices? <laughs> <laughs> the host of the Shuttlepod podcast. <laughs> I don't know why I dive into my that's my that's my NPR voice. Yeah. Today, today welcome on, to the delicious dish. Welcome today, to today on the thoughts pod. thoughts for your thoughts with Kayla Iacovino. <laughs> yeah, see, isn't you. isn't it just soothing? It's just soothing. Well, welcome, today. Jared. Can I get a penny for your thoughts? <laughs> that, that's Thanks, actually thank a thank you for uh, having a, me. A Twilight Zone episode. It is. That's a great one at that. A fantastic um, one. Yeah. <laughs> Um, um, yeah, I, I, I also think, you know, there's so much animation that's involved in, in a lot of live action stuff now that in mm-hmm. many ways it's, you know, we talk, speaking of like the Star Wars prequels or whatever, there's more animation than there's real stuff that's happening. 
And so I think in a lot of ways there's an advantage if you want to have a sci-fi or an effects-heavy series, just get rid of the uh, just get rid of the real stuff and just do it all animated. Right, <clears throat> right. Mm-hmm. animation. Yeah, you can do aliens, crazy aliens. You can do crazy space battles. Yep. We could have want, really. we could have legions of tardigrades. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Exactly. I mean, that was part of the idea behind the animated series, right? Or at least that was oh, yeah. part of what yeah, they they, helping... they exploited with that. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. That's they, 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 they transcended got, they the limitations. We had right. Eric's on the bridge and... with the third arm and all that coming yeah. out of his chest. And Mres at the communications. You know, oh yeah, the, the cat lady. And, so. and, and and of course, a, a giant supersized Spock performing yes. a, us... a mind meld <laughs> on a normal sized Spock. Yes, let us never forget Giant Spock. Yes. Yeah. Oh, and volcanoes. They love... Jeez, there's a whole little joke about that. Roddenberry liked the idea of volcanoes. And volcanoes are in the TAS at least, like, twice. So yeah. it's kind of funny. Yeah. Huh, so know. that's really exciting. I think this is perhaps one of the most exciting, you know, like, ideas out of this group. Yeah. And... You know, I think it's worth noting too the different like all of these can take different forms. So you know, you'll note that the official CBS press release um, mentioned series, miniseries, and other content opportunities, including animation. Mm-hmm. So one mm-hmm. of the ideas is that you could have a miniseries, like Jared, like you mentioned, you know, something six six episodes long or whatever it is, and you could put that between seasons of Discovery. So you oh, could yeah, have sure. Discovery Running Point. That's your main. That's your flagship. And in between seasons, especially if they're going to be a year in between in between seasons, like we might get, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. in between one and two, you fill that with something that you put on all access. That's a like high production value miniseries. <clears throat> so and, any and of they, these I think could they fill know that. They need to do that. Yeah, I think they know they need to do that. Now that Discovery is a reasonable success, I think they now go, okay, we better start filling the gap. In yeah. the future. I think that's a great idea. Yeah. Um, and it looks like just before we kind of go back and forth, it looks like some of these things are kind of clearly destined for all access. Like the con mini series, I think, is clearly for all access. Um, I think we said the other, the Starfleet Academy thing seems like it might actually just go straight to CW, which is broadcast. So they're, so they're not just saying, it kind of looks like they're not just sticking to sort of shilling for all access. It looks like they might actually be you know, interested in getting it out there everywhere. Mm-hmm. Very explicit. You know, and if they do these miniseries things, I think um, as a fan who's like, don't touch my Star Trek, get off my lawn. I think um, the idea of a miniseries, like I'm much more amenable to a miniseries about Khan or about mm-hmm. like, like, you know, it's like pick, pick uh, something in the franchise and dive deeper into it. I'm, I'm happier with that. Um, it's easier to, for me to digest that being, um, or to swallow that being a miniseries rather than like, you know, I don't know that I need, I don't know that I need seven seasons of oh, no. Khan how, on SETI Alpha. God, no. no. Like, think about how hard they'd have to try to milk that. You wouldn't want it. No one exactly. would want it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So it, if it's a miniseries, it's like, okay, that's a reasonable, <laughs> that's a reasonable amount of lactation. <laughs> Wait, what's that? Wait. Milking. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah, um, that's, you, you, you're, that's you're, pretty funny. You can make that joke more readily than. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I was thinking like uh, a cow, a blue cow. Anyway. Yeah, blue, um, blue cow. Moving on. So, the last one came sort of after the fact of uh, after this first wave of stuff. A few hours later, 
it's pretty exciting too, especially for people who want some kind of uh, better closure to the next generation era than Nemesis. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Matt is talking, of course, about what about a a storyline involving one Sir Patrick Stewart who would be re- mm-hmm. potentially reprising his role as Picard, or or a series that we like to call Old Man Picard. There we go. <laughs> That's our short form for it, everybody. Old Man Picard. Yeah. Old Man um, Picard on CBS All Access. So that's really exciting. Just before we dive into it, this this may, in fact, this rumor may, in fact, be the same thing as the limited series whose plot details are being kept Sure. Around. Yeah, yeah. Because it, they it, came from two different sources, so he, we're not he, sure. It, he's not going to say, hey, let's do another seven years of 16-hour days. He's not going to do oh, that. Oh, no, of course not. It'd no, definitely be a limited no. series. The guy's got his own life. He's busy. He has other projects. He's older. He doesn't want to put up. He doesn't need the money. No, No, he doesn't need the money. So um, I think that made some of the biggest splash with people who are more um, staunchly, let's say, old school Star Trek. Yeah. Right. They're not. This is bread and butter. Reboots and whatnot. They're just like, okay, this makes a lot of people really happy if if it comes true. Yeah. And I think this one really, you know, made my ears perk up because. Um, just because it reminded me of a little rumor thing mm-hmm. that we didn't know what to do with that we heard recently and what it was mm-hmm. sometime in the last couple of weeks there's yeah. a, a very short video clip of Patrick Stewart being interviewed um, and the, the interviewer asking him if he had seen Star Trek Discovery and he gave this very enigmatic response and he kind of you know looked slyly at the interviewer and said something like um, no but I may very soon have a reason to watch Discovery. Mm, yes, Beautiful. Yes. And we all went, what? And, and we were all like, oh, it's probably nothing. He probably just means, oh, no, like, uh, I, I want to get caught up and see what it's about. Or, you know, there there might be, we had been speculating about the, a potential cameo by someone like Marina sure. Sirtis, and maybe he just wanted to see his friend. Or maybe at best we thought that could mean that he had a cameo. But even that is hard to imagine what why you know what, or how that what, would fit yeah, in discovery how, how they could work that yeah exactly so sense. maybe it was this could be maybe they yeah. maybe they approached him and they said hey you know nothing's nothing's set at all in stone yet but we have they're throwing some ideas at the wall and one of them is a is old man picard on cbs all access you know, <laughs> would you be interested kind of a thing yeah. so maybe maybe it's there it, they put a bug in his ear yeah <laughs> no they, they'll do that on the con series <laughs> oh, nice, nice, funny. It's also interesting because now we know what happened to Akiva Goldsman, who we found out had just sort of exited and wasn't really involved in season two of Discovery. Yeah. Well, it turns out what he's doing is helping uh, Alex Kurtzman or or whoever else. They're not really saying exactly, but whoever's preparing this pitch, the Patrick Stewart the, pitch, yeah. the Patrick Stewart project. So that's what happened to him. I, for better or for worse, he's still around, but yeah. doing something different. Yeah, well. But maybe this is good. Maybe he'll watch something and get Patrick Stewart really interested. Who knows? Okay, so so I have a couple questions now that we've sort of laid the groundwork for everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, this flurry of ideas, does this demonstrate more confidence in Discovery or does it demonstrate less? More. More. If the, if it was less, they would be like, "Oh crap! Everything we just did is was pointless. a waste of money." Yeah. Why did we just do that? Um, in this case, I think it says that they got a pretty good um, critical reaction. Fan reaction is mixed, but overall positive. Like, sort of when you 
when you filter out angry hardcore people and sort of look at the overall average of casual fans to hardcore fans i think the overall result is you know leans positively and then more so i think though it's it's what's what's convincing the suits is like oh look at all these critics that loved our our show right look at you know entertainment weekly likes it all these people like it Hmm. so i think it's it's faith that okay you know maybe it was a little rocky but like we've got something here and as les moonves likes to say star trek is one of the crown jewels (laughs) no he says the family well he says two things yeah he said it two different ways I think finally an aide, you know, one of his aides came up to him and was like, uh, Mr. Moonvis, sir, I think you mean fa- crown jewel. Not family jewels. <laughs> Not family oh, jewel. Yeah, 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 that's different. Plural, that's different, too. Yeah. He would say, fam- like, he'd say Star Trek is the family jewels yes. oh, of yeah. CBS. It's like, it's less like, no. Oh, no, 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 no. So, yeah. he fi- So, however he phrases it these days, <laughs> he has said that they, you know, really interested in Star Trek, whatever. Now, really, he's interested in the money, but hey, look at this. Hey. They think they can get away with franchising stuff. Cool. Do sure. it. You know, yeah. Well, I agree with you, Matt. I don't think that CBS would want to throw good money after bad. You know, if they oh, thought I don't that, think so. Okay. If they thought that yeah. Discovery was underperforming, if they thought that it didn't have potential, I don't think they would say, let's double down on it. No, I don't think so either. Okay. I think they'd cut their losses and like wait a year and regroup. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, because they've got shareholders to answer to as well. So even if they are huge fans, right, and want to create this thing, at the end of the day, you know, the executives care about, they have a fiduciary responsibility to keep their shareholders happy and make money for them. Mm -hmm. Well well said, Kayla. Thank you. Moral of the story, let's not forget that as much as we would like CBS to care tons and tons about Trek, and the way that we care about it, they don't. It's a it's a business opportunity for them. But they bottom, do. Bottom they, line. they do know though that if they mishandle it in the eyes of the fans, that they're they're screwed. Sure. But, you know, if they go crazy and just say right, screw everything, this is going to be a show where Spock marries Picard, and you know, <laughs> and then they get on the Death Star and drive away. Like you know, <laughs> there is a line, right? And I think yes, they know that exists. And they trust, and they don't know what the line is because they don't. No, they don't I, watch I Star actually, Trek. No, they're trusting Kurtzman to know the line, right? He's the new sort of architect of this era of the franchise. Okay, so, so I, have, I have a follow up question then, uh, mm-hmm. which I, is a little bit related to that. How does this affect, or how does this affect the production of slash? How does this show enthusiasm for a fourth Kelvin verse movie? Or the Tarantino movie that we've heard about. So I think what this actually is doing is the two of them are competing with each other to show that they're still interested in the property. Um, it's a because mm-hmm. they're not actually the same company anymore. I think what we have is a little bit of chest thumping about each of them going, no, 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 we still value this property. And then CBS goes, see, we still value it. Here's five pitches that this that we're going to develop. You know what I mean? There's a little. I think it's a PR thing among other things. Interesting. Back and forth. Yeah. That's an interesting um, thought. Especially with this, the, the, all the drama over that merger was, that was yes. rough. And so I think what we have is we've come out of that merger talk and the answer is they're not merging. So everyone went, cool, back to business of just making what we're already making. Let's push forward. You know what I mean? Hmm. Okay. So then, then here, here's my, my next question with all this stuff, all these different ideas. How shared will this universe be? be- oh, Interesting. You my... mean between Kelvin and CBS's no, stuff? No, just between okay, factor Kelvin verse at all. Just uh, the the yeah. the current timeline, the Prime Universe, and then all this stuff. 
Is, is it yeah, going to be? No, that is the biggest question, yes. I think, for me. So here's here's what I think. I think um, they will all tend to have a very similar aesthetic because that's what's been set forth. Mm-hmm. I don't know about, I wouldn't, I'm not sure about story sort of sharedness. My guess is loosely so. Um, there's like, for example, there's no reason why Star, the Starfleet Academy series can't loosely be in the same um, universe as Discovery. And it's certainly no reason why it can't be loosely in the same universe as whatever happens with Khan because they're so very different. Sure. You know I mean? Well, they'll also, if they're um, in different timelines, right? I mean, really how much impact could they have, right? No, I mean, different time. Ca- Captain, you're asking me to care about people who died hundreds of years before I was born, right? It, to quote, uh, uh, you mean you mean uh, periods of time? The guy from A Matter of Time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, t- yeah. timelines are different. You mean periods of time? Because timelines is like Kelvin versus Prime. Oh no, I mean like periods of time. Like if there are 150 yes, years, periods of, if the of Starfleet time. Academy right. one happens right. 10 years after Enterprise. And the uh, con thing is happening in the '90s, and the Picard right, thing right. happens. It, it doesn't you know, twelve all, years right. after Nemesis. Then yeah. it, it doesn't really matter as much, right? right? And I guess it's not like I guess when... that was sort of my point, right? Yeah, yeah, but they're yeah. all spread out, and so sure they can be. They can be loosely related, and it doesn't really matter either. I way. I think they can do whatever they want, obviously, in terms of the universe that this is set in. But I think it would be they would be missing a huge part of the point of making something like a cinematic universe if they didn't set them all in the same universe and if that universe wasn't prime. Okay. Oh, I, I, think, I, I think they've made it yeah. very clear that it's going to be prime um, because that's kind of like what CBS owns. The you know cro- what I mean? that Got to get that crossover money. Yeah. Like they want, they want to have each of these, you know, if they're doing this the way that every, that it's been done literally every time in the past when, when some franchise makes this web of a universe, they want each series to to be backed by all the other series and one they want horizontal integration to use a yeah, good Jack Donaghy yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, there, exactly there are at least two that temporarily can't be um, I would say it depends on how Wrath of Khan works out but either way it's either ahead of Discovery or behind it but you can reference and... them yeah yeah you, you, yes of you, course you can of course yeah. one of Khan's henchmen could be the descendant I, I, uh, or, or the, the well, ancestor I guess what I just or something is, I guess what I meant is you can't have Burnham show up there like literally a crossover. I mean, okay. Unfortunately, sort of unfortunately, Matt, you can because yeah. you can well, do stupid things. Yeah, like time Tiny, travel. Stuff, yeah, of course. This is yeah. the yes. time to talk about the timeline. This oh, is there's no, no time. time to talk about the timeline. Ugh. Anyway, yes, they can spin up the spore drive and really screw things. I guess, <laughs> yeah, right? yeah. So, like, <laughs> if you watch what the DC stuff does, like, so the, on the CW, you know, there's that like mm-hmm. DC universe. So there's Flash, mm-hmm. uh, Arrow. Supergirl mm-hmm. and Legends of Tomorrow. And every mm-hmm. year they have a big crossover event where each mm-hmm. show um, has... The uh, same way they host... do in the comic books and have done for the last 40 yeah, years. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's right. like the comic right. book uh, um, model. And they're doing that sure. with the show. So each, so you get four crossover episodes once a year, you know, one made by each of the series. And they could... I don't think they should if they're in all different time periods because that's stupid. But they so, could... No, they could have all these other little series intertwined with each other. I think it would be cooler if they just had little nods. Like you said, someone was a descendant of they someone should else. Have nods. They or should they, they mention something that happened. Like if like if two series were, were airing congruently, you know, one week you have something happen on show A and then the next week on show B they mention that something happened a hundred years ago, but they're actually referencing the show that aired last week. Kind of yeah, 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 yeah. That's exactly yeah. that's that's, yeah, that's, 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 what that's, what that's totally what they should do. Yes. Yeah. 
Oh, totally agree. That's what they should do. Especially like when you get to things like um, sort of late 24th century, you know, Picard stuff. That's way ahead of discovery. You just can't get around the fact that he's like 100 years past them. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, on the plus side, uh, for people who have already said that the discovery looks a little too advanced, let's say, for the 23rd century. Well, they have a good aesthetic going that they could totally pretty easily morph into something that people would definitely buy as 24th century Star Trek, I think. And so, re- reuse some of the sets, you mean? Yeah, redress it, and I think people should be pretty happy with it. Sure. Hmm. They, they could also do things like, uh, you know, the, get the uh, the young lady who played young Guinan in, um, not young Guinan, young, uh, in uh, Rascals and in Sister Act, right? If she's still yeah. active as an actress, get her to play like uh, a Guinan who appears in three different shows a year like some kind of loose crossover because Guinan's oh 500 years old God. right that's true because Guinan's, Guinan's long lived and she's they everywhere have... at that point okay I'm sorry I, I know I just said two seconds ago that it'd be stupid but if they had Guinan well, the appear character. in yeah. every series I she's would she's the one character that could do it oh, or that. Q or Q no it's gotta be Guinan for me let's um. not go to the crutch of Q though yeah let's okay alright alright I accept that I accept that Guinan would be more I artful love to do it that way and Whoopi Goldberg has to has to play Guinan at some point. Oh, too. oh yeah. Well, see if she shows up in the animated series. Boom! Whoopi Goldberg's the voice. There it is. Done. There it is. Bam. Yep. Bam. There I would. Go. I would watch eight years of a show to see one scene with Whoopi Goldberg as Guinan. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here, CBS. Go yeah. ahead. Like, you also, found it. The Achilles heel. Even though uh, Whoopi Goldberg has her EGOT, her Emmy, her Grammy, her Oscar, and her Tony. It is only a daytime Emmy, not a primetime Emmy. So this oh, would put her in contention to get a real EGOT. Appeal to the, yeah, there you go. All right. Come on, Guinan. And then maybe she'll come to more conventions. Because she, when yeah. she came to her first one in Vegas, what, a couple years ago, two, it two was years amazing. Ago. Yeah. It was. Oh. It was great. She's incredible. She's an incredible human being. And she's a fan, so come on. And she knows how to work a crowd. Oh, yeah. She is a, a showman for sure. Sure, sure. Yeah. Okay, well, then here's here's my, I guess I've been kind of riddling guys with questions. And this will be my, my last one before we get into talking a little bit more about the captain of this, or the admiral of this fleet, I guess we have to say. What ideas haven't they floated, more specifically, that you think would be mm. cool to do? And 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 don't say something about uh, uh, the seedy underbelly of twenty third century gymnastics with a young Emily Dax character. We we don't want to see that. <laughs> we don't want that. Uh, that's fun. Uh, how about a web short of that? There we go. One web short and the webisode, um, or a guidance series. Um, ooh, ooh. What would I like to see? You know what I want to see? This is the show that I've I've pitched. Um, at like while I was on stage at conventions before and practically been booed off the stage because what? Star Trek fans have no sense of humor. Um, How can anyone boo no you one here? agrees with me on this, but I would watch the heck out of a show. Uh, the re- the working title is Lower Decks, obviously. Oh yeah, based yeah. after the Next yeah. Generation episode of the same name, which is a fantastic mm-hmm. episode. And it episode. would yeah. and it would be a comedy. This is why this is when I lose the audience. Is when I say it would be a comedy, um, and everyone goes boo. Star Trek isn't a comedy, but it would be a comedy. Uh, Gene Kuhn begs to differ, but go ahead. Uh, well, yes. that's true. Um, and it <laughs> would be um, like the it would be junior officers, and it would always always focus on their role on the ship and and their their. Yeah. Um, relationships yeah. but there would be stuff happening around them 
that had to do with what were ha- was happening on the bridge, what the senior officers were doing, but we would only know as much as our our Dana. main characters knew about yeah. it. So ba- basically yeah. nothing. Love it. So you're Love in it. the, you know, you're, you're like soldering something to one of the EPS conduits in the transporter room. And all of a sudden, like someone runs in and they like emergency beam people on and then they just like run out and you're just like, what? You know, so they're just like getting caught up in all of this action um, of like, you know, getting a red alert called in the middle of the night and having to. Well, okay. I feel like that there's, could be a perfect limited series. Yeah. Yeah. Right it'd have there. to be limited. I don't think you could do seven years Because it wouldn't be that. funny forever. But yeah, yeah. But like 12 episodes of that. Yeah. Okay. There, there's a, an image comic series called Powers, and the idea is it's not about the superheroes. It's about the cops who are assigned to to deal with all the crap that superheroes create. And so they're the mm-hmm. Powers division. And there's this awesome scene where the two cops are arguing with each other over something, and in the background, you see like a hero and a villain like fly and crash into the uh, roof of a building. They start hitting each other. They smash some stuff and then fly off. And that's all happening <laughs> in the background. The real action is the two cops <laughs> arguing with each other. So I right. think that that fits. Yeah, that's exactly it. The 21st century is, is there's room for that kind of storytelling, that kind of a, a, a more modernist take where you don't deal with the heroes, you deal with the, the everyman type of thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they're sort of your guide through this world of, you know, this crazy stuff that's going on around them. And yet they still have time to deal with, you know, the issues that they have in their lives. And it's sure. comedy. <laughs> you know, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think I think that's what that's interesting that you get booed about that. Trek has proven that it can be, uh, you know, the framework can be used many different ways, right? I mean, Trek is in many ways a Western. It's also in many ways a naval adventure. It's sure. all mm-hmm. these things. And of course, like I was sort of smart ass kind of saying, I don't know if Gene Kuhn would agree with that idea that Star Trek isn't a comedy. Gene Kuhn was very much in. Yeah. It's not, it it it's very, can be a workplace comedy, is what you're saying. Right. Gene Kuhn was very much in favor of mixing in comedy. I mean, look at a piece of the action for sort of an extreme version of it. But right. hey, you know. I, I, I think, if I can say one reason why I think Star Trek fans may be a little um, resistant to that is the sensitivity of feeling like they're being made fun of or picked on you know like uh sure but it's but it's get a life stuff we're not uh, yeah we're not but well that's and, fair and I'm though sorry, is but, why they might react that way that's okay fair. but but galaxy quest is my favorite star trek movie right and it's, <laughs> right. it's a it's a comedy but it is 110 percent love right there is more love oh, yeah for the star trek yes. franchise yes. than in exactly. any in galaxy quest than in any of the tng movies right yeah and and really i don't i mean i think there are some fans who i guess are sort of maybe offended by it but Boy, if you talk to most fans, they're not offended by it. Then they love it. They think, yeah, it's yeah. How couldn't you? How so, couldn't you? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. There's a lot of love in it. Okay, so speaking of love, at least love for money. This was an idea I saw on Reddit. I I mentioned it to you guys <laughs> beforehand, but I'll share it with the the listeners now. Somebody suggested a show about 24th century management consultants who are all Ferengis. <laughs> that's sort of in the line of House of Lies or Suits or whatever. <laughs> and, and, so good. And, so funny. and the title was slips strips bars and bricks right nice. which is of course the different denominations of latinum and uh-huh. you know if 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 you only need to fill like 12 episodes total you could easily do that right oh man you could you could bring like uh armin shimmerman back for Maybe, three episodes yes. and he'd be yes. like the 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 
uh, you know, the Nagus of a different time period or whatever. It wouldn't necessarily need to be to contemporary to Deep Space Nine. But I, I think that would be terrific. And anytime, you know, it's not quite as advantageous with voice acting, but anytime you put a guy under or an actor under under makeup, that gives them a little more longevity than they might have otherwise. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I would like to see... Um... I would like to see uh, in canon that Quark eventually got his advertising campaign off the ground. Oh, um, the Quarks, Quarks, Quarks has come to Quarks. Quarks is fun. Yeah, I want to. I, I want to see <laughs> yeah. that like on subspace channels. Like someone's like, <laughs> someone's like working, you know, out back, oh and all of a sudden the radio Quark comes on. Spam. Comes Quarks, Quarks is fun. Or or every hollow program, there's a little image of Quark that appears that tells you to go try uh, whatever new beverage he's trying that week that you have to watch yeah. for 30 seconds while the holler program is loading. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Totally. Totally. Quark just became the first Trek pop-up ad, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, uh, good times. I, I think, uh, you know, a, a key to the success or downfall of any of these shows is you know who's going to be running it who's going to be the creative force behind it who's going to be the business force behind it and of course um kurtzman alex kurtzman now has the really the keys to this franchise i think saying he's the admiral of the fleet is a good way to put it it's like this Mm -hmm. multi you know multi expanded universe thing yeah so 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 kurtzman is functioning as this producer um and so i thought we could talk a bit about his track record of being a producer because those there's some ups and some downs in there as a producer i think he's actually done fairly well it's him co-writing and some other stuff that i think people immediately think of okay and poo-poo him about i would say there, there, there's there, we also I think we as we look at his career we need to look at it from the perspective of maybe critical success uh, and or yes. financial yes. success right right we should be clear about those yeah so let's give a little rundown of some of the stuff he's done so he's worked with so his company's production company is is secret well I guess he has two production companies secret hideout yeah. and ko paper products um, and they've worked a lot with CBS. So besides Star Trek Discovery, um, he did Hawaii Five-O, um, Scorpion, Limitless, and Salvation. Right. And those have all been, you know, CBS has been happy with every one of those, to, to, you yeah. know, at least for a season or so. Yeah. So, and Hawaii Five-O is still in the air. They're still really happy with it. So... Yeah, there so so there, you know, and there there was a statement I think saying, you know, oh, there's no one who's better to run this franchise than than Alex Kurtzman, and we've been working with him, and he's great, and blah blah blah. And you know, I believe yeah. all that that they feel that way because you know, here's a guy who delivers, you know, shows on time and on budget, presumably, um, and, and is, that and do is easy well. to work with behind the scenes. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. It seems Another it seems like they have key. a very good working relationship. So they they right. trust him. CBS clearly trusts Kurtzman with the keys. Right. Now, I guess it's some of his, like you said, Matt, it's really some of his co-writing um, ac- um, accomplishments that people maybe have some issues with. So sure, top, of, top sure. of my list is the Transformers franchise. Which is funny because I think the first Transformers is quite the decent first one overall, is de- The first one is good. It. And so remember that he and Bob Orsi only wrote the first two and then they got the heck out of there. Yeah. So it's not exactly we can blame rest of the franchise isn't so much their fault. The, the, well, the, I would say none of it is their fault because the thing is with a franchise like that, 
the writers have no control at all, right? It's mm. Michael Bay says, these are the action sequences I want to have. The business people say, okay, these are the product placements that you need to do. And sure, then they sure. look that's, to the guys who have screenwriter and say, okay, you fill in everything else, right? Yeah, that's we have right. at least yeah. one hot girl humping a bike. Yeah, absolutely. Requisite, Jesus. right? <laughs> Every... Every transformer must turn into a Dodge branded thing because Dodge paid us a ton exactly. of money. Exactly. Yeah. You know, yeah, it's yeah. like sure, yeah. okay, sure, yeah. Um, oh, and it must re- it must work really well uh, and for it must people appeal- who are not English speakers. Yes, it's got to it appeal to of, the Asian audience. To right. the Chinese, it must have a lot yeah. of visual appeal for overseas for people who don't really care what the dialogue is. Yeah, and, about the action. Yeah, yeah, so in that case, I mean, you basically have to to, to dumb everything down, which is its own kind of skill. Right. So if if you're (laughs) I I tried to watch the latest Transformers when I was on a plane ride recently and I just couldn't at all. I just couldn't. Yeah. Uh, And and so I'm definitely not a fan of of the series, but I I I, uh, if I have any power to absolve them, I absolve them. (laughs) And actually, one, one thing that sort of also goes along with that and sort of redeems them is that there was, of course, a cartoon series related to the first couple of Transformers movies. That's called Transformers Prime. That was actually really popular uh, in the around 2010. Really popular, both critically too. Like people like it, kids liked it. Mm. Of course, there were, you know, toys based around whatever. And boy, who helped uh, produce that? Well, of course, the guys that rebooted the the franchise, basically. So Alex Kurtzman was actually part of a very successful cartoon of Transformers. Uh, oh. So, so what what you're saying is he might be perfect to to create a Star Trek cartoon is what if I hear perhaps correctly. or or at least understand how to spin off a franchise kind of thing we'll see um, mm-hmm. sort sort of things people don't remember and maybe not give him credit for which is like he got a lot of credit you know from the company for that like people were happy with it Hasbro was certainly happy with it you know the Transformers people so. And then we, of course, jump back to maybe his two most well-known for us. Sure. Which is, of course, the 2009 Kelvin Universe reboot, which got lots of critical acclaim, made lots of money, and made most people pretty happy with it, yeah. I would say. Yeah. And, and and it's rewatchable. I rewatched it a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, it's, it's very rewatchable. Um, and then, of course, there's the much less clear success of Into Darkness. Oh, that's kind. The follow-up. <laughs> well here's the thing here's the thing it depends it depends who you ask and what metric you use it made money hand over fist yeah so that's paramount true. is very happy with it right um in that sense the fans eh, not so much casual fans pretty happy with it you know sort of new i don't know that fans. casual fans were happy with it but all right uh yeah i don't think they care here's the thing they didn't give a shit who con was but so it, it didn't, didn't but the plot them. it well this is for another day but the plot in and of itself didn't actually make <laughs> well, sense again like, it's, it's very much a pop, <laughs> it's a popcorn movie where you turn your brain off and i can tell you having <laughs> lots of coworkers who were casual fans they thought that was just fine they didn't care you know I, I, mean? I i have to say when we walked out of into darkness there was like the kid brother one of my friends who came with and he said you know i've never seen the movie wrath of Khan, but i want to go watch it now and I'm like, see, and that's cool. cool. If if that was the result of Into Darkness, even though I didn't particularly like it, that's wonderful. Yeah, right. Right. nice. So we okay. have to remember that there's that there's another side of it. Those of us who are jaded know better. <laughs> didn't like it at all, you know. Um, but it made them, you know. So so again, it depends who you ask, right? The management loved it, right? Paramount management thought it was great because uh, it made them money. 
the fans the hated fans, it. Like, let's be honest. Yeah, not so much. Um, it's also interesting that another sort of polarizing thing that's a couple of years later is uh, Alex Kurtzman again. This is the, again, this is him co-writing. This is not him producing. This is this is sort of where his infamy comes is when he's sort of co-writing things. They were called he and Bob Orsi and another guy were called in to be fixers on the Amazing Spider-Man two mm, script so, doctors. Right. They, there was already a script and people wanted it punched up and changed. And for, for, for that one, I think they needed to call a script mortician. Yes, it was not <laughs> great. But again, the movie made a ton of money because the first one people really liked. And so it's interesting, right? This kind of pattern where <laughs> whatever. Of course, it's funny because then they were like, nah, this is no good and ended the franchise and worked with marvel to get the yeah I, I don't back to I, I don't know <laughs> I, I wouldn't know if i'd characterize amazing spider-man 2 as making a ton of money i think it made less than the first one it made enough money that they were actually pretty pleased with it though. oh they were, they? Start okay. making it. they were there were plans to make a third and then they went no the fan reaction is not great forget it let's regroup yeah so again he, he sort of mixed results right like he was making the studios pretty happy but maybe not the fan base well right? what what and about so, one of his other projects which was direct his work directing and co-writing the mummy yeah oh, yes. i think that's, that's the most relevant thing to talk about that is too right because he was supposed to be in charge of starting a new uh universal monsters cinematic mm-hmm. universe you know with a classic mummy wolfman everything right right of frankenstein be, all that everything right exactly they had plans in place to really make this go somewhere and so, yes, unfortunately, this does not bode well for him. Right. <laughs> it did not work at all. And they basically scrapped all their plans for a cinematic universe. Yeah, which just, you look at the plans for that and you think, this is so ludicrous and delusional that, right. that, and that they think that this is going to take off the ground. And they, that's one of those things where you shouldn't judge him too harshly because, honestly, that was universal putting the cart way before the horse. Sure, you know sure. What I mean? And I guess from his yeah. perspective, it's like, I can get in on the ground floor and be the John Favreau of this thing, or right. if not, right. at least I'll get a paycheck. I think th- I think that's the way he looked at it. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> Here, here's the thing I want to say on behalf of this, if you know if this is an expanded universe Star Trek idea, is every studio wants their own Marvel, right? They want yes, something. Yes. I mean, Marvel's got 19 movies, and two of them made a billion dollars each this year alone, right? Every right. Not, not only does every studio want them, but Disney's not satisfied with just having Marvel. They want to replicate it with Star Wars. The problem is right. most intellectual properties do not have the depth that Marvel has of millions right. of pages of comic books to drop on. But one right. franchise that does have the depth is Star Trek, right? Mm-hmm. So if there's a franchise that where this kind of plan is feasible, it's the one that we talk about every two weeks on this podcast. Right. Yeah, for sure. And then the other thing to point out then is again, that... you could look at DC and watch that floundering, and that has the same <laughs> he, amount of material oh, as Marvel oh, does. Yeah, yeah I yeah. see, and and I would, you know, I I would say I would actually disagree with that. I don't think DC itself has the the depth that it needs for it, which is one of the things that's hmm. problem with problems. Problem is like, even though the the thing, okay, and I can go off on this, but like the DC Comics was never created; it was acquired over time, right? I mean, Batman and, and, and Superman and all these guys were never meant to be together, but DC kept buying different comic publishing I houses see what you mean. and then okay. pushed them all together. Interesting. Whereas Mar- Marvel was all created by the same, basically the same four guys in yeah. a three-year yeah. period. Interesting. Right? Okay. It's so, like the Pixar. So, it's like that one meeting that Pixar had and they 
over lunch or whatever and they wrote down the ideas for like the next 10 years of films or whatever yeah yeah it was all it was the, the marvel universe was was created right and the dc universe was acquired so even even that can't pull it off right Okay. Anyway, I, I I could do a whole long thing of, of what I think could, could fix the DC universe, but but I, I think Star <laughs> Trek has a better chance of doing it even than Marvel's rival. Awesome, cool, right. sure. So another thing to point out is that just because Kurtzman, when he also sort of gets over involved and is co-writing and, and involved, kind of maybe has not been super successful. He he is super successful as a producer, but more hands-off producer, right? With his relationship with CBS, he's been very successful, and we—it's not feasible that Kurtzman is suddenly going to get over-involved in these five ideas. That's never going to happen. So people who are sort of worried that Kurtzman will somehow infect these possible other series seems somewhat unlikely. For example, like we pointed out, the Starfleet Academy people already kind of have showrunners listed, like potentially, right? Potentially, so, right. They potentially have already, they're already creators, which typically means they'll stick around and show run it. Not always. Um, so sure. But, you know, you just have to, it, it really hinges on who he brings in to run each of these limited series and shows, right? It's every, everybody below him is going to be really important. Because one of the smartest things a producer can do is bring in good people under him. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And like, I mean, we talked about the um, idea of a con series or miniseries. And if Nick Myers at the helm of that, there, there's talk about someone who's trusted by the fans. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and someone whose stock, because of the status of the that movie has just grown over time, <clears throat> his stock is higher now, I think, with fandom than it was in the early 80s. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. 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 Because that film is so cherished and it's just really yeah. stood the test of time. They're at the con. And, and and it's the only Star Trek movie that really exists in in the popular consciousness, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. They, on yes, episodes yeah. of Futurama, they'll make jokes about V'ger, uh, and I'll have to explain <laughs> them to my friends in the room who are not big Star Trek fans, right? But, <laughs> right. but if someone said, you know, so much of it is thanks to Jerry Seinfeld, but if someone references Khan, they know what they're talking about. Sure. Right. You basically get Khan and the one with the whales. That's the stuff people know, right? The one with the whales. <laughs> yeah, but the weird thing is, like, the one with the whales, in a lot of ways, is just sort of this exception within the own franchise, right? I mean, Agreed, it never yeah. gets it, it never is. gets talked about again at all, except that one moment where Admiral Bob says to the president of the Federation, um, those men have literally saved this planet, right? That's the only time it gets referenced <laughs> at all. And I think that might have been a deleted scene, but I'm not sure. Yeah. No, I was just kind of joking that there's there's only two that really stick out. Whatever. Sure. Yeah, 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 that's true. That's yeah. true. But but yes, Wrath of Khan is like, right, you, you can't. It's iconic as now. Yeah. So. All right. Well, um, the, the thing that I really want to say about, about this uh, is how delighted also I am. And this is the other thing that Marvel has had that's been successful is they have a clear leader who's creatively in charge. Yes. Right? Clear because leader. Yay. That, that's a problem a lot of it. Other shared universes have is they they want to replicate what Marvel has, but they don't put like a strong leader in charge, and then they assume why right. it's uncoordinated, and then they wonder right. why it's uncoordinated. So yeah. to have both the the background of the IP, as well as someone who has the the creative control, as well as the the presence in the boardroom to to sort of put his foot down is what it seems like he's going to have. This is a formula for success. So if you want to do this kind of thing, 
the Star Trek franchise seems to be doing it the right way. And and I'm sure we're we're all excited to see how well uh, um, Kurtzman will do on his five year mission. Mm-hmm. Aha! I, I, it is kind of amusing that they gave him a five year extension. It it is. It is. Great. I think I think that's yeah. delightful. I hope I hope that was like a negotiation and he brought it out. It's like let's make it a five year <laughs> mission. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think it's just, you know, it's going to take some time for us to figure out what any of this means, um, decide, you know, whether we're going to try and love it or hate it. I think, um, obviously, there's no reason to go into this with a pessimistic attitude. This is more Star Trek, and this could be awesome, and some of these shows might not be made for us, and that's going to be weird and different, but Uh it's more Star Trek. I, I also think because there's so much and because, you know, they, they can do some market segmentation with this, there's less pressure on every single property. I mean, like when, when Discovery came out and, and the week before on the podcast, we we're like, hey, this is the first new episode, of a new, new pilot of Star Trek since 2001. Like, that's a lot of pressure on one little show. Yeah, that's a good and, point. And none of these are going to have anywhere near that much pressure. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it'll maybe let them do their own thing. They'll explore different exactly. areas. Yeah. And, yep. yeah. Yep. If they if they want to do two seasons of young Kira Norris as a freedom fighter, right? They can do that. Yeah. Sky's yeah. the limit. Mm-hmm. Another fan favorite thing would be to if people really like Anson Mount as Captain Pike. Of course, there's a lot of. Oh sure, sure. There's I didn't a think lot about of that. sort of already fan excitement that maybe at some point they could get a Pike limited series or something. Yeah. So, we'll see. In the finale, he has really? to end up in a wheelchair, though, right? Yes, of no. course. In the that's too, no, that's too in, soon. In 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 in, in the last scene of every episode, he ends up in a wheelchair. It's like <laughs> he's like Kenny from the, the first few joke. seasons of South Park, where he gets oh paralyzed God. every episode. <laughs> oh, oh my God. God! You crippled Pike. <laughs> <laughs> this poor guy. Uh, but in, in all seriousness, no, Pike doesn't get injured for like another 10 years. So sorry. Oh, okay. All right. Never mind. <laughs> Never mind. He'll just get, there'll be an episode where he's in a time loop. And a, instead of the Enterprise exploding at the end of every time loop, he ends up in a wheelchair. <laughs> he ends up in a wheelchair, just beeping away. Yeah. No. He starts beeping and no. then the time resets. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> all right. Well, you heard it here first, folks. When CBS does it. You know who to call. Cl- clearly, this podcast is an untapped resource for CBS's creative team. Clearly. Yeah. Clearly. Just clear as transparent aluminum and twice as strong. And, uh, <laughs> and clearly, yeah. we've, we're diverging way into bad jokes now. We've probably been at yeah. this too long. So, well, is, so is, it's is, probably time to slice yeah. into some of this. Yeah, I think we're, is there anything else? <laughs> I think we've, we've basically closed it out, right? Yeah. I think we did. We have said all there is to say until we know more. Until we know more, indeed. Well, yeah. So everyone, stay. Keep those uh, cursors pointed at. Sorry, that was bad. At trekmovie.com. <laughs> no, keep going. Keep going. <laughs> for Own all it. of your Star Trek news, um, and but in all, in all seriousness, we will obviously you know keep you updated on on all of the ongo- ongoing news that's going to come out of this as we learn more. Um, hopefully, over the coming months things will crystallize a bit we might not hear anything um for quite some time though um but in any event it's exciting stuff it changes everything um it has set up a completely different uh playing field for for what star trek is so it, it's almost yes. even making me think about the season two of discovery in a different light so yeah in any event, yeah I, it's exciting I, yep 
Right. So. Yeah, it shows it shows a lot of faith in the in the property, and we can all we can all be uh, excited about that. That's right. So, all right, you guys, uh, you know, let us know in the comments what you think about this, and tell us what crazy or not crazy show would you like to see made? Is it a Guinan series? Is it a <laughs> Kieran Reese Freedom Fighter series? Tell us in the comments. And until then, uh, we will see you guys next time on the Shuttle Pod. Bye, everybody. Bye, y'all.